The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. As Jesus continued his journey to Jerusalem, he traveled through Samaria and Galilee, and as he was entering a village, ten lepers met him. They stood at a distance from him and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they were going, they were cleansed. And one of them, realizing he had been healed, returned, glorifying God in a loud voice. And he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus said in reply, Ten were cleansed, were they not? Where are the other nine? Has none but this foreigner returned to give thanks to God? And then he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has saved you. The Gospel of the Lord. What are you going to take back home with you from this place today? And that's a serious question. What are you going to go back home with? That's not a question we ask ourselves about our attendance at Mass on a regular basis, is it? And note how important it is. We come here, we say, to receive. What do we leave? What do we leave with? Our first reading highlights the importance of this, this example of the Syrian, Naaman, who is healed through the prayer of the, in the ministry of the prophet Elijah. And in his gratitude for being cured of his leprosy, he goes to the prophet trying to give him a gift in thanksgiving, and the prophet keeps refusing. And finally, he says, look, if I can't leave anything with you, let me take something. An interesting idea. Let me take two mule loads of earth. Okay, I'm not giving you permission to break out the shovels here today. But consider just the sheer scale of that. Not let me take back a stone, not let me take back a souvenir, let me have the troops dig and let's put two full loads of dirt on our mules. That's hundreds of pounds. And I'm going to take that home with me. And I'm going to take it home with me because I will then spread it where I am, and that will be where I pray and offer sacrifice. Not to any of the gods I used to worship, but only to the God of Israel who has healed me and cleansed me. 
And note here that this is more than just I prayed and I was answered. This is the answer has changed my life. And I am going back home heavily laden with the earth of the place where I was healed. How often in our own lives do we experience the grace and the goodness and the mercy of God, and yet we carry so little away from it? We seem to leave it aside so easily. We don't feel the weight of what we've been given. And we have this marvelous image of the mules and the heavy sacks of earth making that long trip home. And imagine that, unpacking it, and the work of spreading it, of building an altar on it. And note how all of it says, I am taking something away. I haven't just been healed. In fact, it wouldn't be much of a healing if I took nothing away. This is what is at issue in our gospel reading, this well-known and much-loved account of the ten lepers healed by the Lord, an account which is odd in a number of ways, in particular with regard to what Jesus says at the end. But note, as the Lord is approaching a town, there are ten lepers, all of them equally sick, all of them equally needy. And they see the Lord drawing near, and they stand at a distance because legally they must keep their distance. And from a distance they call out to him, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. It is a cry of need. We don't know here whether it is a cry of faith or not. It is a cry of need. One can cry out to God in desperation without having any faith. In the same way that somebody who is desperate and drowning is just going to grab at whatever might save him. And so all we know is these ten wounded men, these ten afflicted men, See the Lord and take a chance. God knows who else they called out to. And so maybe, just maybe, Jesus will do something. So they cry out in their need. And notice how the Lord works. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And from that same distance... St. Luke doesn't tell us that Jesus drew close to them, and he doesn't tell us that Jesus let them approach him. All we know is they yelled from a distance, and Jesus answered, likely from a distance. And from that physical distance, the Lord says, go show yourselves to the priests. And nothing is different. They are not healed at that word yet. They aren't. Go, show yourselves to the priests. And amazingly, the ten do that. 
We don't know what motivates them other than the authority in his voice. And they go on their way to find the priests and show themselves. Because they can't reintegrate into society from this illness unless the priest attests to their cleanness. And so they go on their way. And it is on the way to the priests that the cleansing comes, that the leprosy leaves them. But where are they going? They are going to the priests because that's how they get back to their lives. So note how Jesus is sending them. He is sending them in the direction back to their living, back to their families, back to their work, back to their town, back to society. And on the way, that disease which has cut them off leaves their bodies. Their skin is now clean, free of sores. And here is the beautiful moment in the story. What do we hear? One of them realizing that he had been healed. Now, isn't that interesting? What about the other nine? The illness leaves ten bodies. One of them, on realizing he was healed, stopped. And like Naaman the Syrian from our first reading, he's not in a hurry to head home. Just like the Syrian who went to thank the prophet and then ask for the two mule loads of earth. This man, realizing he has been healed, understands something important. Somebody has done something for me. And again, consider your own lives. How many times have good things been done for us? and we haven't really received them because we were so quick to get on to the next thing. How many times has blessing and goodness come to us and it passed through our hands so quickly we barely recognized that it was there? We give it a passing glance. We say a quick thank you and then we move on. How many gifts have we received over the years and we quickly set them aside almost as soon as they were placed in our hands? And I'm not even going to get into the whole notion of re-gifting. And if we think about the people who are important to us in our own families, how often and how easily do we fall into patterns where we take each other for granted? And simply lose sight and lose consciousness of the ways that somebody has been good to me across the years. One of the most painful things to hear on the occasion of a wake service or a funeral are those saddened voices who suddenly dealing with the loss of somebody realize that there was so much about the person that they never said, that they never appreciated until now when that stunning moment of loss and separation makes me stop and realize. And that regret that I didn't stop and realize while I was with him, 
while I was with her. So much of our time, so much of our life passes that way. On the one hand, we live it, and on the other hand, no, we don't. Because we've lost the ability to appreciate. That's why this reading is so important. One of the ten stops, and he appreciates what has happened, and he is grateful. Gratitude is a mighty thing. Gratitude is a powerful thing. And gratitude is a fundamentally necessary element of a spiritual life. Without it, you're never going to have one. Because it's gratitude from which faith springs. And we see the lesson here. This man receives the blessing recognizes that God has acted in his life and says, before I go back home, before I get to the priest, before I do all those things I've been waiting to do, I need to go to him. And so note, in gratitude, he returns. And there is no distance. He called out from a distance. Jesus answered from a distance. He walked a greater distance away toward his life. Ten are healed. Nine keep going. But he, he receives the gift fully and truly. The nine who continue don't. Physically, their bodies are healed, but they haven't received the deepest healing because they don't appreciate who has helped them. And so he returns. It is gratitude that brings him, and we hear he falls at the feet of Jesus. Gratitude brings him close. Praising God in a loud voice, he comes to Christ and bows low before him in gratitude. And note what Jesus says. Not simply, didn't I heal 10 of you guys? Why is there only one that came back? But nobody says to the one who came back, go now, go and live. Your faith has saved you. And now we see only one of the 10 had faith. But the faith is connected to the gratitude. Sometimes we ask the question, why is my faith so weak? Well, perhaps it's because I haven't given thanks enough. Perhaps it's because I haven't paused to appreciate and fully receive the goodness that God has given me. Ten are healed, but only one fully receives the gift. It's given equally to all of them, but only one stops and receives it. And gratitude is a mighty thing and a powerful thing because only the one who is grateful can truly appreciate not just the gift, but the giver. For example, we've got this little one right here. This little one received into a family with parents, who care for you. And what's going to happen over time is mom and dad will keep 
caring for this little one. And this little one, if she's taught to be grateful as she grows up, is going to learn something really important. First, it's going to be mom and dad take care of me. And mom and dad give me presents on my birthday. And mom and dad do things for me. But when she begins to appreciate, if she's taught to appreciate the care she receives, she's going to say, mom and dad are not just good to me, but they're good. Mom and dad don't just buy things for me, but they're generous. See how that works? When I really value a great gift that I've been given, I begin by appreciate the gift. It's valuable. It's perfectly chosen. It was given to me at just the right time. And as I begin saying all of those things, it's telling me something about the person who gives it. How well he or she knows me. How he or she generously went out of his or her way to get that for me. Note, when we're grateful with one another and we appreciate what we've been given, that's how we come to know each other. That's how the spiritual life works too. When we begin to see and appreciate what God does for us, sooner or later we begin to look at God and we know something about him. He does love me. He is powerful. He is patient. He is merciful. He cares. And note when I say it that way, I'm not quoting from the catechism anymore. I'm not saying what somebody else told me about God. I'm saying what I know. That's what this leper shows us. He pauses and he says, God did something for me. And in recognizing that, his life turns and goes. It goes back to Jesus. And amazingly, though, even though he detoured back to Jesus, he's the one who will go back to his life more swiftly and more fully than the other nine who were in a hurry to get on with it. Because he'll go back to his life strengthened by that thanksgiving. Strengthened by that knowledge and every bit of goodness in life waiting for him. He's going to know where it came from. In a sense, he went back to Jesus and he goes away with those two mule loads of earth. And I am going to spread my gratitude where I live. And on that mound of gratitude, I will kneel and I will pray. And my prayer will go to heaven because it springs from that rich soil of what you have done for me. Note how beautiful that is. And so the question remains, my friends, what are you taking back with you today? What am I going to take with me? Note how important that is. The Lord is doing something here for each and every one of us. In fact, this idea is why we gather. The word Eucharist means giving of thanks. And so note, Sunday after Sunday, we come, we thank the Lord for what he's done, we receive his goodness, 
when we go out into the world to bear it with us. And in living, strengthened by him, assisted by his grace, we experience his goodness there. And our gratitude for it brings us back here. Sunday after Sunday, note the rhythm. We leave, we return. But we do it in a spirit of thanksgiving each way. What we see in the story of the ten lepers is this fundamental dynamic upon which the life of the church has always rested. And how glorious and how simple it is that one of the mightiest engines of growth in the spiritual life is such a simple thing as gratitude. And when we, the Christian faithful, can cultivate truly grateful, truly appreciative hearts, how much richer our lives and the life of our church and the life of this world indeed will become.